0: So again, welcome this morning. I want to I wanna start this morning uh, with a story. It's not my story, but it's a story of a good friend of mine. Um, his name's Josh, and Josh uh, was, he was um, in New York City. He and his wife had moved to Manhattan. They had found an apartment. They had to find roommates to be able to afford that little bitty apartment, and he got a job doing what he thought he always wanted to do which was to work in like a top-notch recording studio. And he uh, started out, he's the errand boy, and um, he's cleaning up after 50 Cent comes in with his entourage and they, you know, use this crazy, awesome recording studio. And there's this, um, this time when he's in the studio where John Mayer had rented out all these top recording studios in New York City and he was working on different songs in different studios and he's just kind of hopping from place to place. And my friend was at the studio where John Mayer recorded Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. Have you all ever heard that song? Anybody know that jam? That is a jam, okay? If you don't know that song, do yourself a favor and go on your, your iTunes or wherever you find music and look up Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. My friend was there as John Mayer's recording this guitar part that's just the most beautiful almost haunting melodic guitar part and he has that story of I was there when. Do you have any stories like that? I was there when and there's this amazing event happened like this really cool thing happened and you have that story. Or Maybe you have an I was there when God story, like you saw something happened that only God can do, something miraculous, You're like, man, I was there when. We're starting a new series this morning. It's called Wildfire, and what we're doing is we're looking at the book of Acts. Acts was written by a man by the name of Luke. Luke was not one of the 12 disciples, though he did write one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. And he was there when, we, we think that he was one of the guys that uh, was one of the outer circle of Jesus. He was a companion of Paul. He was there when the early church was being birthed. And here's my, my prayer for us. This is where I'm going uh, throughout this, this whole fall season, is I am praying that we would have an I was there when story about when God moved in our city, in our community. Because what we're gonna see in the book of Acts here is that this was a movement. I mean, it's, it's amazing what happened. In, in the beginning that, that we're gonna read this morning, there's 120 believers gathered in a room and they're praying. They're waiting for the promise that Jesus had told them about and then by 100 AD scholars think that there were about 25,000 believers at that time and by 310 AD when constantine declares christianity the state uh, religion of rome there are almost 20 million believers in less than 300 years it's just this wild fire it spread like wildfire. And I believe that we're in a time as a community, as a city, in the greater Houston area that we need a move of God like that. We need to see this amazing move of Jesus, a Jesus movement in our day now, some of you are thinking, Chris, that that was just a back in the day that that only happened then because it was a special time period and God was doing that at that time. But I, I just want to fast forward in history to the 1960s in China. There there was the cultural revolution, Mao took over China, and he began to systematically remove Christians. All the missionaries were cast out of the country, all the the lead pastors and top-tier leaders were executed. The second and third-tier leaders were either executed or imprisoned, and at that time, there were two million Christians in the 60s in China. So... In the 80s, when the bamboo curtain began to lift, missionaries thought they're going to go in and they're going to find that this church had been basically stomped out, that there was nothing left. And what they found is that the Chinese church went from 2 million to 60 million believers in 20 years. How'd that happen? How does that happen? No leadership. No buildings, no no seminaries, no no centralized structures, and yet the church grew like wildfire. What we're gonna see in the book of Acts is this beautiful movement, this grassroots movement of Jesus that absolutely changed the known world. And my prayer is that God would do something in us that would prepare us to be a part of that kind of of move. I'm 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 entitling this sermon Kindling. Kindling. So kindling is something that if you've ever gone camping, right, and you build the fire, if you have a fire pit in your backyard and, and you build that fire, you, you take some logs, big logs, right? But you don't go with your lighter and you try to light that big log by itself, right? That that'll that'll never work. It it takes way too long to, to get that big log to light. And so what you do is you find Kindling. You find something small, something easily combustible. Maybe it's some old newspapers that, that you have. Maybe it's little pieces of, of tree bark or twigs or something that's easily combustible, and you light that first. And that, that little kindling, right, next to the big log eventually will catch the whole thing on Fire. And so what we're going to look at today was, I, I believe God was preparing the kindling for his movement. So we're going to read this this morning. If you have a copy of scripture, we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to jump around a little bit because I don't want to read the entire chapter to you. But I'm just going to, going to, we're going to go in and out of this passage. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 1 and then follow along with me. He says this. Luke writes this, I wrote the first narrative Theophilus. Now real quick, Theophilus is, uh, it could be an actual person that he's writing to, but this this name also means friend of God. So some scholars think that he was saying, look, if you're a friend of God, if you're someone who's seeking Christ or you're seeking truth or or you're um, a follower of Christ, this is written for you, Theophilus, friend of God. Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Now, just side note, these guys thought that there was going to be a, a military state of Israel that would be restored like had happened several times throughout the history of Israel. And Jesus says, well, like, th- that's not how it's going to work. Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Stay with me, verse 9. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 14. What happens is they go just like Jesus said. He's ascended into the sky. And and they go and they wait in this room. And this verse 14 gives us a little insight into what they did. It says, they all were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Then... Next in this story, they're going to replace Judas. Do y'all remember Judas? Judas betrays Jesus. After he betrays Jesus, he goes and he hangs himself. He commits suicide. And so they're going to replace Judas. I'm going to pick this up in verse 20. He says, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection, and they pick one, or they pick two guys that met the requirements, they cast lots and said, Lord, you choose, and the lots fell to one of these Matthias, okay? So that's what happens in chapter one. So what we're gonna see here are two things. We're gonna see promise, and we're gonna see preparation, okay, promise, In preparation, I want to start with the promise, and we're going to move to the preparation. If you look back in verse 4, I want you to see something here. It says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days day so Jesus has been teaching these guys he's been telling them look he even told them it's better for you if I go They're like, how in the world could it be better? I mean, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, you're healing all these people, you're feeding thousands, you're teaching with authority. How could it be better than you being here? He says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's going to be better. The counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit is coming, and that's what he's talking about here. The the Spirit of God was going to come. Now, he uses the word baptism. What does that mean, baptism? Well, that word "baptize" literally means to immerse something. It's like you're you're going to put like, when we baptize in water here, we lower you under that water. We immerse you in water. And this word baptizo is found in a a pickle recipe, ancient recipe by a man by the name of Nicander. He was a poet and a physician and he wrote this recipe. And, And here's what's interesting. He uses the word bapto, which would be like to dip something. And then he uses the word baptizo. And the word baptizo is to stick like a vegetable in a solution that would permanently alter the vegetable. Right? It turns it from a cucumber to a pickle. right? It's, it's that solution. Now, here's the picture that I don't want you to miss. Is that when he uses the word baptism of the spirit, he's talking about lasting permanent change. That when you're baptized in the spirit, when when you're immersed with God, his presence in you, it is a lasting, permanent change that happens to our lives. Now you need to understand this, the scriptures teach that when you are born again, when when you believe in Christ, when your heart is, is brought to him in faith and you trust in Christ, that the spirit of God fills your life, that you are permanently changed. And so he's telling them, look, you're gonna be baptized, it's gonna bring about a permanent change to your life. Here's the good news. You see, in the religious age that we live in, everyone thinks that it's all about what you do. Here's how you change yourself. Well, you, you control your mind and you control your thoughts and you re- recite these words over and over again. You can buy tapes that tell you how great you are. You can listen to your tapes on the way into your work. I am strong. I am confident. I am good looking. You can you can try to control your mind. What, what was that, Gary Smalley? Uh, I, I'm smart and... By golly, people like me, or something like that. I don't know if you all recall that, but it's just this, this idea of mind control that, that we could try to control our thoughts with repetition. And here's the beauty of the gospel here's the beauty of the gospel it's not about you changing you, that when you believe in Christ, Something outside of you comes into your heart, the very presence of God, it doesn't originate with you, you don't control it, it's him. And he comes in and he brings lasting, permanent change. He's he's transforming us from glory to glory and grace to grace. You're, you're, You're that cucumber that's becoming the pickle. You've been immersed in the presence of God. So the promise of this spirit is a promise of deep, lasting change. I wanna look at one more thing about promise. If you look at verse eight, he says this. Now this, you gotta understand, this verse is like the verse of the book of Acts. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now the whole book of Acts is going to be all about this. We're going to get there next week in chapter 2 but the spirit of God's going to come they're going to be filled with And then uh, chapters 1 through 7 is all about Jerusalem. And then the next section is all about Judea and Samaria. And then the end of the book is the ends of the earth. We're going to see the whole thing play out. That this gospel is going to go. This movement's going to move. And it's going to be because of the power of the Holy Spirit. This promise of the Spirit is a promise of power. Power. And what we're going to see is thats it's a supernatural power. Again, it doesn't originate in me, and it doesn't originate in you. It originates in your heavenly Father. It's his power in your life, and it's supernatural power to proclaim the gospel. These guys who have been doubtful and, and scared, and, and, and Peter who has denied Jesus three times, they're going to be filled with boldness and power and they're going to step up in front of thousands of people and just bring it. And it's not because they they're, they're awesome all of a sudden, it's because the power of God is filling them. Supernatural power to proclaim the gospel. And by the way, he uses the word witness. Now, when you when you're in a court of law, what does a witness do? A witness tells what they've seen, right? I saw this happen. I'm testifying that this happened, and here's the deal. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to just create some, uh, some idea about religion and say, everyone, follow my plan for your life. No, they're, they're saying, look, here's what I've seen. This is what I've witnessed, and this is how the gospel spreads. It's you and I saying, look, here's what God has done. I've seen this. Witnesses. Tell what they've witnessed. So the supernatural power to proclaim the gospel. They're going to have supernatural power to live faithfully. These guys are going to be persecuted. They're going to be hated. They're going to be rioted against. They're going to be run out of towns. And they're going to dust the dust off. And they're going to get back up and just keep going. Faithfully. They're going to face sin and struggle just like you and I face. They're going to be tempted to doubt and to turn away and all the stuff that we feel doubt about. And somehow by this power, they're going to be able to live faithfully. We're going to see that it's supernatural power to serve uniquely. That's what I love about the gifts of the spirit. They're called grace gifts. And it's like you having this unique thing from God that we need, the church needs, and you use your unique gift. And it's gonna be supernatural power to do the miraculous. We're gonna see some supernatural things in this book. It is amazing. And just like Jesus, they're gonna be doing things like healing and delivering and prophesying and proclaiming. It's a beautiful thing. This is a promise of power, a lasting change, and it's a power to live the way that God's called you to live. The second thing I want us to see here this morning is the preparation. Now, this is where it's going to get kind of down into our lives uh, and just sort of the day-to-day stuff. Here's what I want you to see. Back in verse 3, there's something that caught my eye this week as I was studying He says this, that after he had suffered, talking about Jesus, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So this Jesus that they've seen, and they're telling us, look, I was there when this happened. He was alive, Like we saw him hanging on the cross, we saw him die, and now he's appeared to us for 40 days and he was speaking and he's eating with us and then he would walk through the wall and just walk into the room like it was crazy. They're telling us all these stories and here's what, the the phrase that caught my mind was this, convincing proofs. Let me think about that. If God's preparing a kindling for his movement, what he's gonna be doing is doing a work of, convincing we use the word conviction conviction means i am i'm in the state of being convinced like god has convinced me about some things and now i have a conviction about those things and here's what i think god wants to do is he prepares us as the kindling is that god wants to do a work of convincing if you're a skeptic this morning you're in great company you're in great company because these guys were skeptical. I know that because at the end of Matthew, when Jesus has been resurrected, Matthew 28, 17, he says, when they saw him, talking about the disciples, his closest followers that had followed him around, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Really? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, the, the one who crucified and rose again and appeared for 40 days, they still doubted. And I think that was put in there for you and for me because here's the, here's the reality, is that most of us at some point in our life, we're going to face doubt. We're gonna say, okay, God, I, I've seen you move. I've seen you do some amazing things. I, I think I've heard you speak to me before, but, but really, like really? really you're you're the messiah the son of god and all this is leading to this point where you return and and we're going to heaven or hell at the end of all this like really god and he's like yes really so he's going to do a work of strengthening their faith he's going to be convincing them strengthening their faith now Verse 14, I want you to see this, this little marker of this movement. Verse 14, they were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, His brothers. You see, as we as we look at this this little movement that's starting, 120 people. One of the things that we see is that they were united in prayer, and and that word is a Greek compound word to be united in prayer. It's it's the idea of if you could picture a like a six armed piano player. And, and they could play like the biggest, massivest chord like, like over the entire spectrum of the keyboard and just in one note go bam and like play the most amazing chord you've ever heard. That's what this word means. It's, it's a compound that means to rush along and in unison. This idea of just like almost a musical image of just this beautiful chord. There was a unison, a, a harmony A united in prayer, and they prayed for 10 days. Can you imagine praying for 10 days? like waking up, like if we all just say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna have a lock-in, we're gonna stay in here for 10 days and we're gonna pray. And, and so we would all just like lay down on the floor somewhere and sleep, and we'd get up the next day and you know, say good morning and maybe drink a cup of coffee and be like, okay, let's get started and we're gonna start praying and then we'd stop for lunch and then we're gonna start praying and then we would stop for dinner and we stop praying. It's like, okay, let's all go to bed and we're gonna do that for 10 days solid. Can you imagine that? Have y'all ever done that before? Anyone? No, a prayer lock-in, me, me neither. Most of us struggle with 10 minutes, right? If you've ever been praying and you're like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm really gonna pray a lot today. And, and you look at the clock and you start praying and you just like, you feel like, man, I've done it today. Like, I have prayed my soul out. And you look at the clock and five minutes have gone by and you're like, oh, weak, right? <laughs> they prayed for 10 days. You know, when we study movements throughout history, movements of God, They were always preceded by extraordinary periods of united prayer. That wherever people are praying, we see God moving. They were united in continuous, steadfast prayer lastly. I want you to see this at the end of this passage, this portion that we read when they're replacing Judas. I just want you to see that they discerned from Scripture that they were to replace Judas, and then they did it. Now, there is significance because the the 12 tribes of Israel were the nucleus of the people of God, that uh, Israel's sons, they were the ones through which all of Israel would become a nation. Well, here we have Jesus saying, now we are the people of God. The Old Testament served its purpose. Now this new covenant has come and he is, he's setting forth a new nucleus from which the people of God would come from. And he has 12 and there is significance to this, but here's what you and I need to understand as we're living our modern day lives in 2019 is that they saw something in scripture and they did it. You see, the kindling of God's movement is people who are committed to obeying what they know. I had a a pastor friend, amazing man of God, and he was tall and he was extremely uh, uh, outgoing, real country guy. He'd say, we're all educated beyond our obedience. And I'll tell you what, that's so true. Aren't, Aren't we educated beyond our obedience. We know, we know there's stuff that we should do or that we shouldn't do, and yet we, we don't. And this kindling, this preparation is people who act on what they know. So, we're the kindling of God's movement. I wanna have some stories. I was there when. But We're going to have to be people who are strengthened in our faith, convinced, convicted, like like wrestling with our doubts and saying, no, no, Lord, I believe, I trust. We're going to have to be people who who do extraordinary prayer. We're united in prayer, in obeying the scripture. I I was thinking this week about... um, a word picture that would describe this move of God, and I was thinking about sailing. I don't know if, you have, if you've ever been sailing before where you actually have sails that you lift. I've been on ski boats and, and, and cruise boats and all kinds of stuff, but I, I don't think I've ever been on a sailboat, and it's always fascinated me because if you think about it, they have no control over the wind, right? No control. All they can do is lift the sails. And see, when it comes to us being the people of God who see the move of God to be the kindling of this movement, we have no control over the wind. But we are people who have to lift the sails. So I want to talk about how do we apply this to our lives? How do we lift the the sales of this movement. Well, I think that what's, what he lays out for us is beautiful. And it's these words read and remind, pray and act. Read and remind, pray and act. These are the fundamentals of following Jesus. And it's this I, if, if you are um, uh, like these guys here, they, they had no copy of scripture they didn't have a canonized bible they didn't have apps on a smartphone they could pull up and be like john chapter one like that did not exist they they had letters that were passed along the the chinese church There's stories of them getting one page of scripture and they would just sort of pass it from group to group and they would read it and they would memorize it and then they'd pass it on to the next see we live in an extraordinary time where we have this at our disposal that we can, at any moment, pull this out and read something. And if you're going to be strengthened in your faith, you need to begin to have a diet of this, to begin to read the scriptures. I want to encourage you to read every day. Like, literally, every day. It could be a few verses, it could be a few chapters, but I wanna encourage you to read every day. You say like, man, I don't, I don't understand all this Bible stuff, I don't totally get it. I don't care, just read a little bit, okay? Read a little bit. You have time. I know there are certain seasons of life, if you have a newborn or an infant, I remember those times when my wife was like, like the kid needs me every single day. Second, I get that, okay, just look for little moments. Look for little moments, read every day. And I want, you, I want to encourage you to remind yourself of what God has done. What have you seen? I, I have some stories that I tell myself over and over again. In fact, there's stories that I tell you about when we planted this church and how it started and all the miraculous things that I tell. And it's kind of for you, but it's kind of for me because I'm reminding myself, okay, yeah, yeah, no. God moved. God spoke. God's in this. God's here. I want to encourage you. Whatever you've seen, I want you to rehearse those stories back to yourself. Remind yourself of what God's done. Read and remind. And then pray and act I wanna encourage you to become a person of prayer, like daily prayer, like when you're driving in your car by yourself, pray. Pray in the morning, pray in the evening, Just, just pray. Moms and dads, pray with your kids. Casey and I have this little ritual at night where we say a prayer and it's not like a 30-minute awesome prayer. It's like a, Lord, we thank you for this day. Please bless these kids and let us have a sweet dreams tonight in Jesus' name. Like, it's that simple. I wanna encourage you just by simple action. My kids are learning that we pray. That's what we do. I wanna encourage you to pray with your church. The first Wednesday of every month, we do prayer and worship and all that is for is this, to be united in prayer. Because we believe that God's going to do something amazing as we unite ourselves in prayer. So this coming Wednesday uh, at the Friends of North Richmond building here at 630, we have childcare for your kids and adults go into a room and we pray and we worship a little bit. We sing. and It's a good time. I want to encourage you to come and pray with us. Become a person of prayer. And lastly, act on what you know. I get it. Some of you are like, man, I'm just, I'm just starting to understand this. I, I think I understand some things. I don't understand all of this. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Just act on what you already know. You don't need a degree from a seminary to start following Jesus, right? Just begin to act on what you know. Um, I want to close with a, a story one of my favorite stories, really. I was uh, my freshman basketball team. I was on the freshman team at Hyde Park Baptist High School. And if you're thinking that that sounds like a school that probably wouldn't have a very good basketball team, you're right. You know, it's just not a school that had a great basketball team. And So uh, we had this coach. Her, her, her name was Renee Rochester. And she was this spunky, Jesus-loving black lady that just coached us. And she had been a college athlete. She'd been a, an Olympic athlete. So she knew her stuff. And what she did is she took this kind of ragtag freshman team and she just ran the dog out of us. I mean, she ran us hard. And she taught us the basics. It's like literally she taught us how to catch the ball. And you're like kids know how to catch the ball no there's a certain way that you catch a basketball to where you don't like lose it and people don't take it from you and she taught us how to catch a ball how to dribble a ball how to shoot a ball how to slide your feet on defense and then here's the thing we were so disciplined and so uh, founded in the fundamentals that we were undefeated I'm serious she, she booked games with public schools that were 5A, that had massive teams that were twice as big and twice as talented. And this ragtag little group of people just full-court pressed those dudes, and we beat them every single time by doing the fundamental things. And I have some great stories. Like, I was there when, like, we did some amazing things, but it was all about the fundamentals. And I want to encourage you, when it comes to following Jesus, do the fundamentals, simple things, right? Read, remind, pray, and act. If we do those things, I believe God's going to prepare us as kindling that we're going to see God do some stuff. Wow, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what he's going to do through you through me so I want to end with this why don't you close your, close your eyes and bow your head I just want to give you just sort of an imagination exercise and then we're going to pray I want you to just to imagine fast forward you've reached the end of your life maybe you're laying in a bed you've got loved ones around you And I just want you to think about what's going to fill your heart and your mind in that moment. What pictures are going to fill your heart and your mind? When when you're about to, to leave this life and transition into the next, when you're about to stand before your Heavenly Father, what fills your mind? Here's my prayer for you. I pray that you get to close your eyes with a big grin on your face because you followed Jesus. That you served him in your generation. That you get to cross over without fear, without care, without worry, because you know through Jesus, that you have assurance of salvation, that you're gonna, you're gonna be welcomed into a kingdom by a heavenly father who's gonna look into you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And my prayer for you is that you have stories. Like in your heart, you've got stories of I was there when God moved. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin churchorg